Good morning, church. Come on, stand with us. It's good to see you again. Let's praise and worship Jesus this morning.
Church, turn to the person next to you and give them a high five, a hug, and a welcome. <laughs> Praise God. And welcome to those connected via the live streaming. It is so good to be in church. Do you agree? Amen. And what is good as well is that it's summer. Oh, okay. Lord, please bring the winter back. <laughs> but a very warm welcome to all of you. It's good to be in the house of God. May I see by a show of hands if we have any new visitors here today. Just raise up your hand. We just want to greet you. We have just greet our visitors here today. Give them a warm welcome. Amen. And if you keep up your hands, we just want to put something in your hands. Please do that. God bless you. Amen. This morning we have Pastor Jock ministering the Word of God. Let's welcome Pastor Jock. Amen. And just one announcement, an extremely important announcement. Whenever Pastor Harold in the past made this kind of announcement, you know that something is about to happen. All right. And on Friday, the, let me just, the 28th this month, that weekend, specifically the Friday, we're having a through-the-night prayer at Little Falls here. And yes, give the Lord a praise offering for that. So we want every person, every single person to take part in that. Amen. And something is about to happen in the nation. God is about to do things for us, and we need to take these kind of things extremely serious. Amen. So, just to make you aware of that, it's going to be good. Amen. If you have not done that in your life ever, have you ever tried a through-the-night prayer where you, it's powerful, let me tell you, and only after you've done it and you've recovered then you realize that something great, you know, there's you change in the process of that. And all of us, we need to get to that place, you know, where we pray effectively. Amen. And now it's my absolute pleasure to present the Word of God regarding the tithe and the offering. Now, this, this portion of Scripture, whenever I present this portion, 
there's always something powerful and new in this. So open up your heart so that you may receive from the Word of God. And this is again Luke 18, verse 18. I love always to see, and you know that numbering the Scriptures, that's not inspired. When they did that, um, they just wanted to, you know, set apart that you might identify quickly the portions, important portions. But it's always strange to see how certain things comes out in the numbering, and specifically this 1818, 666, flesh. We know that six is flesh, man. But this is about the rich young ruler. And it says here, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a question every person need to answer for yourself. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if you've not been to Bible school, you might, or you're a new Christian, or you are young in the faith, there's nothing you can do to inherit eternal life because Jesus Christ did it all for us. So accepting Jesus is getting eternal life. There's no other way. There is, listen to me, church, there is no other way to get eternal life. It's only through Jesus Christ. But obviously, this is a Jew talking to another Jew, and this is prior to the crucifixion and all of the things that happened to our Lord. So here it says, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, the Lord said to him. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. I want to lift out quickly one here, which says, do not bear false witness. Bearing false witness is to take the truth and to tell a lie instead of that. Now, this is a rich ruler. And we know politicians. Okay, wait, let me just not say anything, anything negative. But probably this young man, he had a lot of people working for him. He had a lot of money. And he's used to giving instructions. He could instruct any person regarding his wealth, regarding who he was and what he wanted. And here, first of all, he says, good teacher. Now, first of all, he expected the good teacher to give him a good message. <laughs> the last thing he needed to hear was just a good message. For the first time, probably in his life, he could not manipulate. He could not, with his money, do anything. And here stood the God of heaven and earth in front of him. And he's about to get all of the truth without any lie. So the good teacher part did not get him far. And the bearing false, Jesus wasn't about to, to bear a false witness regarding his real need on how to get eternal life. It's powerful. All of us, we need to get to that point and apply, put our names in there and say, Am I living that kind of life that leads to the following? And listen to this. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. One thing. You've got to ask that for yourself. What's the one thing in my area? It might not be finances but it might be something that causes me to be led off track. If I keep on doing this thing, it would actually cause me to maybe lose my salvation. And one thing about finances, it has that effect to distract a person's life. And we are being taught in this church to keep our eyes upon Jesus. Whatever we do, 
from the heart that you do it, keep your eyes on Jesus and expect only the truth from Him. When your heart is open like that, you are a blessed person. Truly blessed. And it's all about obedience. If he had to take the words of the Lord serious, then his life would have been totally different. And then came the one thing. One thing you still lack, young man, ruler. Sell all. <laughs> That's a difficult. <laughs> have you ever sold all? Do you know what that feels like? Probably not, <laughs> except you're a big businessman and you've lost all. But have you ever sold all? And the Lord is not expecting that of us, you know. But with a heart of obedience, if the Lord were to instruct any of us right now, it would be like that and a person would do it. Because Jesus Christ is all in your life. Amen. So now the Lord said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all you have and distribute to the poor. You are going to distribute it to the poor. You're not going to call any person. The Lord said to him, you'll distribute it to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. I can see the people in our church because we know the people in our church. You know, we know that there's much treasure in heaven for most of you. But you can still change it. It is something you'll only get to heaven and God will reveal to you fully how your life has impacted you and your eternal destiny. And it is something you've got to take to heart that if I do something today, we never put pressure on any single person in this church to give. But we do expect every person to from the heart do your giving. Because then I know you are listening to God's voice. Because many people here are long time past the 10 and the 20 and the 30%. Many people here, I know many people here, you can see it. They are so blessed. So here's the thing, obedience, obedience, obedience. Amen. The Lord Jesus said to him in verse 23, but when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. I took this portion from the ESV Bible, and the ESV Bible uses the word extremely. And it's funny how this word, if you go into the Greek, means violent. Can you imagine that you are violently rich? What that kind of violence do, does to a person when you are not fully surrendered to God. And now, if he later on, we don't know, did not commit his life to Christ, can you imagine the violence that he would experience because of this one decision in his life? He placed the thing that kept him in bondage above the call of God for him. And then it said, Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Today, church, all of us, every person here, only give from the heart. Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, as we are gathered as one in the name of Jesus Christ, we right now come to you and we ask a blessing of you. We ask you to bless what we are about to do. For Father, we give joyfully and with gladness, because we know that you are the only person that has the true ability to bless us. And oh God, whatever you say to your people in front of me right now, I know that the person who gives from the heart today will get back from God. For Lord, you take pleasure in taking care of us. I pray a blessing upon your people as we are now in the middle of the month. Father, Lord, it's never too late to receive a blessing from God. Today, what your people do, if they extend their hands today, Lord, you will bless them. And we pray that blessing upon your people in Jesus' mighty name. And all of us say, 
Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a fantastic day in the house of God. You know, the Lord sent me here to the West Rand in 1986, and we did start a Bible school. It was to become a powerful base for knowledge of the Word of God. For God had given me a verse, my people perish through a lack of knowledge. I began to realize their faith levels, all the people around me was low. And I realized that with that being said, how is it that if the Word says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, people don't know the Word of God. When they go into prayer, you know, the Spirit of the Word agrees. How do they then pray without knowing the Word? I wanted to equip the saints fully so that they could be on a level that they could walk with God by faith. And also, very importantly, the Bible school was not only going to be a place where people would learn the Word, it would also become a place where they would have a Holy Spirit upliftment experience. Matching those two things, people become powerful in the sight of God and powerful in the sight even of their enemies in the Spirit. So therefore, equip yourself in this and understand that God loves you and God wants you to be more than what you are just now. Even if you know the Word, there's always place for more. Love you and bless you. Grow with us in the Word of God. Amen. Please stand with us. Let's worship.
Heavenly Father, how wonderful it is to be in the house where you reside. This is your house, Heavenly Father, and we come as your servants, humbly bowing ourselves before you. And our prayer this morning is, Father, that every kind and gentle heart here, those who are listening via the live stream, those who are here in your particular house, Father, that you will minister unto the hearts of every person. Gently touch them, stir up in them that faith that is needed for the hour that we are in. May we come to know you more intimately and may the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in every way. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ and we all agree and we say, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much everyone. Thank you, band. And it's really great and wonderful to be in the house of God. Once again, always seeing all these beautiful faces. It's nice to see when the seasons are changing, more and more people are coming, you know, but it's not because of the season that's in the natural. It's because of the season that's in the supernatural. Because God is certainly doing things. And God is always wanting to do things for His church and with His church. Now you've heard this and um, for those of you who are fairly new in the church and some of you have been visitors today, you've heard Pastor George mention it this morning about the prayer that is coming up. This is the month that we focus specifically on prayer. And there's something that caught my attention. You know, when you do your preparation, you always tend to dabble in a few things. God steers you in a certain direction. And the thing that struck me was that in the United States, they have a dedicated day that they call a national day of prayer. It's always on the first Thursday of the month of May. A national day of prayer. South Africa, with more than 80% Christianity, we don't have a national day of prayer. And I wonder why. Because in 2020, two years ago, as we were in the whole lockdown COVID situation, our president, Sir Maposa, called a national day of prayer on the 31st of May. And thousands of people came from all various backgrounds and types of faith. And you had politicians and you had the unions and you have many people there. And there was such resistance when a day of prayer was called in South Africa. Because here is the thing. They said that government should separate itself from the church. For government to rule effectively in a nation, you have to distance yourself from the church or from religion. In other words, in other words affairs of the state versus religion must be separate. And in interestingly enough, that is what most countries in the world abide by. Jimmy Carter, former president of the United States, known as a Christian, he himself said that the church and the state should be separate. It's no wonder this world is in such a mess. How can you separate church from anything? Because here's the thing, if there are two things in your life, no matter what they are, you are never going to support them. You are never going to believe in them. You are never going to like them equally. One of them will always take preference to the other. It's just the way that it is. It is just the way that it is. And when you have politics and when you have religion, one of them is going to lead and the other one is going to suffer. And you just have to look at the world to answer or to get the answer to that one. And you see, we must stop this. We must stop this from blaming the government with this. We must stop this. Because if we are more than 80% Christians in this nation, it's our fault. It's the fault of the Christians. We have allowed this to happen. Stop blaming other people because of this. And this is why we pray. And this is why in the month of October, why we praying and we're going to have on that last weekend, we're going to have a night where we start the Friday night praying right through that night until the next morning. And then everybody's going to meet up and we will have a mass Saturday morning prayer. But it starts the previous night because we have to, as the church, take a stance. You know, this church has never been a follower. 
We've always been leading when it comes to prayer. Your life and my life as a believer in Christ of what this church stands for in prayer, we are leading that and we are not following this. The body of Christ, the church in South Africa must stop their nonsense and come together as one body before Christ. And we have to repent and we have to get onto our knees and come before God and ask for His repentance because then alone will His Spirit move that we may pray the things that God so dearly wants for us because it is God's desire to bless us. There's nothing in this Word, in this Bible that says God is a God who does not want to bless His people. But we have a responsibility ourselves I want to go to a particular portion of Scripture. It says then Matthew eleven twelve. You don't have to go there. I just, this is just building up to the main portion of Scripture or the foundational text for this morning. But this is just a, a build up to that. Matthew eleven twelve says this. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time now, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seize it by force. From the days of John the Baptist, he was the forerunner for Christ, prophesying that, that someone greater than him would come. From that day until now, the church, it says here, has endured violent assault. They've come for the church. Satan has come for the church. For 2,000 years he's been doing this. This shouldn't be a surprise to us. And I know it is probably not a surprise to any one of us. But what are we doing about this? Because it says here, and violent men seize it by force. This means here, there are those who do not stand passively. There are those who've got zeal and passion for God. And it says they seize it by force. Those are the people, the men and the women who seize the kingdom of God by force. That means... It is they who refuse to bow down to what the world determines as what is right and wrong, what is acceptable. It is a funny thing, this thing called what is right and this thing versus what is wrong because God's Word says what is right and wrong. You know, in the banking industry, how do you know if a particular note or a particular coin is a counterfeit? How do you know that it's false? How do you know that it's wrong? There's only one way. You always take that and you compare it to what is the original. That's how you know when something is false. That's, that's how you know when something is a counterfeit. You take the Word of God and compare everything else in this world to this and you will know what is the truth. If it directly corresponds with this, you can believe it's true. If it directly opposes what the Word of God says, then you know it is counterfeit and it's not right. Then in that same portion of Scripture, this, the preceding verses, verse 7, 8, and 9 of Matthew 11, then Jesus Christ comes and He says this about John. And you have to understand, He's speaking about the church as well, and I'll point to that in a few minutes. But He says here, what did you expect to see when John the Baptist would come? What did you expect? And then He says, did you expect a reed shaken by the wind? Did you expect a man clothed in soft garments? In other words, someone who was living in the palaces and living luxuriously and somebody who's just used to the pomp of this world. He said, what did you expect? A prophet? And then he said, yes, John the Baptist was a prophet, but he was more than a prophet. Why? Because John the Baptist... It says here, he is the one who prepared the way for Jesus. He is the one who baptized our Lord Jesus. He is the one who heard the voice of God when he baptized the Son, when God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist is the one who saw the Holy Spirit come down like a dove descending on our Lord Jesus when he was baptized. And we as the church must be like John 
the Baptist. When we enter into this time of prayer, and especially coming the last weekend of October, when we go into that night, when we start that night, going through that whole night, and the next morning, until that Sunday, when it brings to the culmination of what we've been doing this whole month in October, we must be like John. When we go and pray for whatever it is that we're gonna pray that night, praying right through the night and the next day, are we going to be like a reed that can be broken? We will not pray like that. We will not be timid. We will be bold and we will have zeal for that which we are praying for. This is what God has empowered the church to do. We must stop looking at this nation and the world and start blaming why things are not right. God has given us the mandate as the church to bring about the change. And if we are sitting on our laurels, 80% of Christians in South Africa, and we're not stepping up because we are afraid of the minority who's got the loudest voice and we heed to that and they get their way and we are silent. That can no longer be the case. We are the majority because we've got Christ. We must have what God says we should have, but we must get up and claim what is rightfully ours. When we are going to pray, things will happen. Yes. When we pray, things must happen because we know the power of prayer. We always speak about prayer in this, in, 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 in this church. There is a kind of prayer that gets God's attention and we're gonna get to that. I want to pray that kind of prayer. I don't wanna waste my voice in speaking things and I've been there. I don't wanna pray these habitual prayers and saying these niceties and repeat what other people say and there's no power in it. Why do I want to waste my breath in this? Because God is not paying attention to that. What is the kind of prayer? I'm not saying it's the only kind. We're gonna look at one, but there's a specific type of prayer that draws God's attention, that allows Him and permits Him and it also releases Him to answer that kind of prayer because that is what God wants for us as the body of Christ. This is God's country, you know. This is God's country. The foundation of South Africa, we were birthed in prayer. We were birthed in making a vow to God at that time, hundreds of years ago, that this nation will be a godly country. God has not forgotten the vow that we've made. We have forgotten that. Outside here, or not, inside the church, right towards the end of this church, they says, this is Christian country. We believe it. We must start showing it to the world so that the world can wake up around us. This place, this church, have been birthed here in a very strategic place. God showed Pastor Harold many years ago that this was going to become the new city of Rudapurt. And if you look at where the city or this place is right now and everything around us, what is coming up, and even the Gaut train eventually will be built through this, through this particular area as well. God has placed this church strategically here so that we can show to them this is kingdom of God country. This is Christian country. And it's enough, it is enough that we start speaking what the world speaks. It's enough that we start listening to what the news says. It is enough that we catch ourselves with all the negative talk that is going out there. Our words must be words that speak life and speak hope and speak faith. And it is only through Christ Jesus that it is going to happen. I want us then now to turn to the book of 1 Samuel 2, which is this morning's foundational text. 1 Samuel 2. And if you're unsure where that is, I'll give you a hint. It's not in the New Testament. 1 Samuel 2. You know, God always wants to answer our prayers. It's His desire. Why would He institute prayer if there's no benefit in it. Jeremiah 33 verse three says this, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God says, call to me and I will answer you. Call to God, pray to him and he will answer you. In Psalm 116 God says, 
Because God has inclined His ear to me, therefore I will call upon Him as long as I live. If God wasn't answering prayer, why would we continue to call upon Him? Yeah, it says here, I will call upon Him as long as I live. That means prayer had been answered in this person's life. And he will do this continuously all the days of his life, as long as he lives, because he had tasted the privilege and the pleasure of answered prayer. Let us go then to 1 Samuel, and we're going to read there from verse 1, 1 Samuel 2. And in your Bible, it probably will say there as well, this is a prayer of Hannah or Hannah's prayer. Verse 1, it says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord and my horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. I love this. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. You can only smile at your enemies when you rejoice in God, when your joy is in the Lord. When your enemies get the better of you, it's because you are not rejoicing in God. Verse 2, No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. There are many gods in this world, but none of them are called a rock. There are many gods. They will be stones, they'll be flowers, they'll be trees, and they'll be sand. They'll be whatever you want to call them. None of them are called the rock. Verse 3. Talk no more so very proudly, and let arrogance, or let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. This is an obvious reference for Hannah when she prays this of what had happened to her when the other wife of her husband, um, Elkanah, who was the husband, when the other wife, um, um, Penina, when she was mocking her because she was barren at the time, she says here, talk no more so very proudly and let no arrogance come from your mouth for the Lord, the God, is the God of knowledge and by Him, He weighs our actions. And then I want to go to verse 8. We skip a few verses, we go to verse 8. Still same chapter, 1 Samuel 2. Verse 8 says this, God raises the poor from the dust and He lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit a throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. In other words, it's God who creates. No one else creates. No other God, not Buddha, not Allah, not all the gods of the Hindus, none of them created. Only God created. It says here, He made the pillars of the earth, and it's His. And He has set the world upon them. God Almighty, Adonai Elohim, He alone did this. Verse 9, He will guard the feet of His saints. And the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength, no man shall prevail. That means in your own abilities, you will do nothing. You won't be able to do anything except it is by God. Then verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord, in other words, the enemies, those who are obstinate against God, those who are our enemies, they shall be broken in pieces. From heaven, he will thunder against them. And if you just read what they say here, when it says in, in, in Hebrew, the Jews, when they read this and they say, when God says from heaven, he will thunder, they say it is the voice of God that speaks that sounds like thunder. So it says, the Lord from heaven will thunder against them. He will speak, in other words, in such a way. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth and He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. This is a profound prayer. I will never get into this prayer and explain everything to you of how powerful this is. And this is not the purpose of this morning's message. I want to point out one or two things though concerning this prayer. This is a prayer that Hannah prayed after God had answered her initial, initial um, dilemma or, or came to the rescue and she gave birth to a boy. So here she comes and she prays. But if you read verse 1 to 3 is of what God was doing. Verse 4 to 8 is about 
what God is doing at present. And then verse 9 and 10 is about what God is still going to do. You're talking about thousands of years ago. This woman prays a prayer that is prophetic. Verse 10 says, the last verse, he will give strength to his king. There were no kings at the time. It was still time of the judges. Israel was going to ask for a king at a later stage, but there were no kings of Israel at the time. And she says, yeah, yet he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. That word anointed in Hebrew is Mashiach, the Messiah. She was already praying a prophetic prayer for Messiah that was going to come later on in the New Testament. You see the power of prayer? But what is it that took her to this place? Because this now is a prayer that she prayed of what had already happened to her. Hannah got God's attention through her prayers. How did that happen? How did it happen that she got God's attention through this? If we just look at verse 11, I want to start, I'm sorry, verse 9. God will guard over the feet of His saints. It means here, and I'm just giving you the Hebrew context of it. It says, God will keep watch and He will preserve where you walk in this life because where your feet shall go is where you tread. You either walk in righteousness or you don't walk in righteousness. God says, for His saints, the qualification is His saints. If He says there, He will guard the feet of His saints. God doesn't protect, nor does He preserve the unholy ones. The qualification here is saints, you and I who are the believers. And then it says here, well, let's just, concerning our feet, it is our walk of life, how we live. Only because of that, God is able to protect us and watch over us and preserve us. Psalm 73, verses 2 and 3, listen to what it says. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why did this happen? He says, because I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Be watchful and be careful of that which is out there that you do not envy this because then you will stumble and you will fall. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man is ordered by who? The Lord. And he delights in his way. Psalm 56, 13. For you have delivered my soul from death. You have not kept my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living. You see, dear precious child of God, you are only walking towards God or we are walking away from God. There's no middle road there. We're either doing one of the two. We're either walking towards God or we are walking away from God. And here's your test. Here's the question that we have to answer for ourselves. Where is your walk with God right now compared to where it previously had been? Are you reading the Bible less? Are you praying less? Have you started walking away from coming to church less? Have you started going to home cells less? Have you started giving up and not doing Bible school anymore? Studying God's Word? Because if you do that, you have started walking away from God. Then your feet are going in the wrong direction. You see, if our eyes are focused on God, we see what we have. But when our eyes are focused on ourselves, we see what we don't have. I'm saying this again, when our eyes and our attention and our focus are upon God, we see what we have. And if it is focused upon ourselves, we see what we don't have. And Hannah had this, she experienced this. You see, Hannah didn't look at her blessings. Now we go back to chapter one there of 1 Samuel 2 chapter one. Hannah, her eyes were fixed upon herself in looking at what she didn't have. She didn't see that she had a godly husband. He went up 
Three times a year is what the requirement was for all Jewish believers to go up to Shiloh to go to the tabernacle and bring offerings. He did that. She didn't see that. She had a husband who loved her. He even came to her and he said to her, do I not give to you more and love you more than even 10 sons? Whenever they went to Shiloh to present their offerings, he gave her being barren, he gave her double portion to the other wife who had children. But she didn't see that. You see, she only saw her misery. Because her misery resulted in her not seeing what God wanted for her. She looked at this. Number one, I was the wife of a husband who had another wife. Now, for all practical reasons, I can't imagine that must be easy. Because you must know then when you are one of the wives that your husband has got loyal or divided loyalties. I, I think it's very hard for a woman to live in those times or in any, any circumstance. That's number one. Number two, this other wife, Benina, continuously reminded her the moment that they went up to Shiloh every single time, reminded her, the word says she was mocked and she was provoked because Banana had children, it said, well, she had at least four children because it said she had sons and daughters. If she had at least two boys and two girls, she had at least four kids. Hannah had nothing. Hannah looked at herself through the eyes of what she didn't have. And don't we do the same thing for ourselves? How often have we done that and cut ourselves short? I remember a time when I was in matric and we were coming to the end of the rugby season and I've played a few years for the, for the first team and we were a great bunch of friends and it was the last game of the season and the whole plan was that after this game, all the boys would go away for the weekend. This is like to just um, celebrate the great rugby season and also it was the last game that we would play for our school because... Obviously, we would move on from then. And the whole week building up to that particular game, it was, it was the only thing that we spoke about in that week. Yes, where are we going to go to? And I was raised in Durban, so the plan was that we were all going to go to Margate. That was the plan. So the whole team, the whole week spoke about that, and not much of the focus was on the game, and, but more so on this. And during that week, I went to my parents and told them about this, and they didn't allow me to go. Well, they, it, they, they said they were not going to let me go. And I was very upset with this. Because this is my last year, it's my last game for this, for, for, for the season and for the school. And during the whole week, I was bringing up the topic and trying to convince my parents to send me. And so game day arrived on the Saturday and we played the game and we had a great game. I had a great game and we won the game. And I just thought, okay, well, this has got to be the cherry on the top. And I went to my parents. I even packed my bag silently, put it in the car, in hoping that my parents would still let me go. And my friends in the team said to me, man, let's go to your folks. And let's just go and talk and let them let you go. Because how can they not let you go? And I went to my folks and they just did not relent. They wouldn't let me go. And I was angry and I was cross. And that whole weekend at home, I was the most unpleasant person to be around with. Because I knew my friends were all going and they were celebrating. And I was at home. I got to school on the Monday. I actually wanted to avoid my friends because I didn't want to hear how the weekend went. I knew it was going to be great and good and I had missed out. And so it was. And I heard from a few friends the same thing. And I just became angry all over again. And then sometime during the course of that day, later on, one of my friends who was in that same team as I was, he came to me and he said to me this. He said, yes, you can be glad you didn't go. He said, because we had it in for you. We were going to make you drunk because I was, I was the prim and proper guy in the team. Not that I said I was the only one, but this is how I was raised. And he said, we had so many things planned for you and, you'd, and, 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 and we waited and we wanted you there. And I, and I stood there and immediately my respect for this guy dropped and I realized this is what they wanted to do to me? I've been one of the leaders in that team since we've been playing since primary school, but this is what they wanted to do to me. And I went back and I realized my parents took care of me. They knew what was coming. They took care of me. And this is what God does for us. In these times of hardship, this is what God does for us. We never know. You may be sitting in a situation at work. Somebody else got the promotion ahead of you. You may be hoping for a breakthrough in finances, in a court case, uh, relatives or whatever it is. 
God's got a better plan for you. There's something that you just do not see because you see, if the focus is on your life, the focus is not on God. That whole week, I was murmuring and complaining because it was poor me, what I didn't get. And this is not where God wants us to be. And this had to change for Hannah. Something had to change for Hannah. And what was that? We find this in 1 Samuel 1 verse 10. It says there, because now she went up to Shiloh and after the family got together, she went to the tabernacle. And it says here in verse 10, 1 Samuel 1 verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. This is a prayer of desperation. And listen to me, listen to me when you get to this kind of prayer. That prayer of, of, of desperation, it doesn't understand selfishness. When that prayer of desperation comes, there are no other options on the table. It's but God all the way. It is the only option that's on the table. And this is what happened with Hannah. And it's something that God just showed me. And I think we all probably miss it because we don't study the Scriptures. We think Hannah prayed and asked God for a child. It's wrong. It's a half-truth. What did Hannah ask God for? She said, and I'm paraphrasing here, she said, when she wept before God, she said, Lord, give me a son that I might give him to you. She didn't ask something for herself. She asked God, give me a son that I may raise him and give him back to you. She was never going to keep Samuel. He was never going to be hers. She wanted the curse of barrenness to be broken, but she would settle for the fact, give me a son which I'm going to give back to you. What was she saying there? She was saying, God, how can I be used? Lord, what can I do for you? Lord, here I am, use me. How can I please you? It is not about me, it's about what God wants to do through me. This is why Hannah's prayer was answered. This is why God caught her attention and He answered that prayer. God answered that prayer. Jesus understood this in His life when He prayed. Listen to Hebrews 5 verse 7. He says, Jesus, who in the days of His flesh, when He had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to Him, God, who was able to save Him from death, and he was hurt by the Father because of his godly fear. Moses understood this, that kind of prayer, desperately coming before God and saying, Lord, please don't wipe out this nation. They are stupid. They are sinful. They don't know you. I know you because I'm in your presence. Spare them because they don't know. David came with his men after the battle of Ziklag and their family, their children, their wives and all their cattle were taken and the men wanted to kill him. He cried before God and he said, Lord, what must I do? He called for the priest with the ephod. He seek what God wanted. The attention was never on these men. They prayed for others. If you want to have breakthrough in your life, like Hannah did, like these men did, you don't pray for yourself anymore. You seek how God can be elevated and glorified what can we do for God? And God's going to give you so much more. And here is the proof. Hannah never asked for this. She never asked for this. Listen to this. 1 Samuel 2.20. Because Samuel was now born, and every year they went up, and she kept him for approximately three years until he was weaned. And then she gave him to Eli the high priest. And every year she would go up, and she would visit her son. And then one day Eli said this to her. She didn't ask for this. She didn't pray for this. But listen to what the high priest said. 1 Samuel 2.20, and Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife. And he, would, and he said, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. And she had five children, three sons and two daughters. She never asked for that. She only asked that God would give her something which she could give back to him. Whatever you are going to give to God, you're going to give more back. You will get so much more back, but it starts with us giving to God first. What is it that you are prepared to sacrifice? What is it that you are prepared to give away? Because I promise you this by God's Word, and that Word is truth. If you give something to God, if you give away of yourself, you will get so much more back 
versus that which you had to sacrifice and to give. And who was his son eventually? Samuel. He was the last judge. He was the first prophet of Israel. He was the one who anointed the first king and the second king, a man of the God's heart, David himself. That is how God blesses us when we give unto Him. This is what awaits us. This is the kind of prayer that we must pray. And when the 28th of October comes that Friday night, and when we pray, we're gonna pray for our nation, not for ourselves. We're gonna pray for our economy. We're gonna pray for rain. We're gonna pray for ESCOM, all the state-owned enterprises. We will pray for our president because we give unto God ourselves for what we want in this nation because this is kingdom country. This is Christian land, South Africa. And we will have what we ask. And we must better be ready to sacrifice. I'm gonna close off with this and ask that every person stand. I want to ask you to stand. I'm gonna do something that you probably haven't done in a long, long time. And when you stand, I wanna ask you to turn around and look to the back for me. Right in front of you, there's a chair. I want all of you, if you're able to, bend down on your knees. If you can't, it's fine. If you're not physically able to do that, then don't do it. I'm gonna give you one minute. One minute, because prayer starts here on our knees. From here, it's only upwards. One minute, you pray to God. In this one minute, what He puts in your heart to pray. Only that which He puts there. One minute, let's go. Amen. You may take your seats, everyone. Thank you. You see how easy it is to do? You see how little it takes from the Christian people in this country, of which we are 80%, to do that, to be on our knees before God. We must set that example, and we will have what we are praying for. On our knees, we will get, and we will get God's attention. I close off with a scripture, Matthew 19, 29. In case you've wondered, what will you get when you sacrifice to God? It's not in vain. Listen. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake, the name of Jesus Christ, they, you, we, all shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Is it then a big thing to ask, to give to God what seems impossible? Eyes on God and not on ourselves. This is the way we have to go. Let's stand and close your eyes as I close for, for us this morning. Heavenly Father, your spirit is here and it is so, so powerful. And every prayer that was prayed, Father God, and even those via the live stream, you know those prayers. Lord, receive those requests. And I ask you, as we all pray together, that you would hear these prayers and answer them and stir in our hearts your spirit of prayer because we are building up and changes are imminent for this nation Lord, hear our prayers, we ask in Jesus' name. Therefore, let your people go in the peace of God. Father, be with them wherever they go. Send your holy angels charge concerning them, and may your spirit abide in them. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this, and we all agree, and we say, Amen. 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 Thank you very much, everyone.